If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com/audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com/audio. That's carshield.com/audio. Howdy, folks. Happy Monday. We have a busy, busy, very busy week ahead of us as the NHL draft. Well, the NHL awards start uh, tonight. Uh, the NHL draft is Wednesday and Thursday. We're all heading to Nashville. I don't have, I'm not bringing my boots, Russ. Uh, I, I don't have boots. I don't have boots anymore to bring. So, yeah, I'm no. hoping, I'm hoping, hiking, boot, hiking boots, and I'm not carrying those heavy things with me. I'm hoping to find a honky tonk that plays progressive rock, but I'm not going to hold my breath. But anyway, uh, let's start with the pre-show. Go ahead, Ross. So uh, let's talk about the second worst team money can buy. The, there was a there was a book that came out in 1993 about the worst team money could buy, and that was the New York Mets. And they had guys like Brett Saberhagen and Vince and- Coleman, and and they were you know shooting, squirting bleach at, at, at fans, and they were doing all kinds of bad things. This year's Mets are not doing that. They're just bad. And it just shows you that you could have money. You could hire certain coaches and whatever, and it might not work out. And so as an example, I was not a fan of Buck Showalter. Why? Not just because he didn't ever won, Kev, because I saw how he would crumble under pressure. And I never liked that. And for the last two weeks, while the Mets have been crumbling under pressure, so is he. And he has had many, many mistakes. Uh, one good one for Anthony yesterday in the uh, in the Met game, letting David Robertson just kind of sit in the bullpen while a bullpen, why one of the, uh, I would say, more recent bullpen acquisitions uh, was just hitting people. Now With playing the role of Zach Britton is Dave Robertson. Yeah, and you know, and so, but he did similarly to the 76ers. Um, Stephen Cohen did get uh, fooled by the GM Billy Epler who sold him on the word sustainability. And sustainability is great, except in baseball, I think we all know that to build up a farm system could take a decade. And the Mets farm system was pretty depleted to the point where um, Brody Van Wagenen had traded um, Pete Crow Armstrong a couple of years ago for Robinson Cano. No, no, that wasn't the Cano deal. That was- um, No, that was the, that was the uh, Kelnick deal. Kelnick. Yeah, I was gonna say, that was oh, the Kelnick. No, that was- yeah, that was for Diaz. I think you're right. That was for no, Diaz. Sure, yes. It wasn't a deal, yeah. All and right. Of course, gotta, no, no, he's yeah. not Chicago. No, it was somebody else. I forget who it was. Um, but whoever he traded for him, it's fine, because mm. now Crow Armstrong's like one of the better rookies out, second-year players in the league. So these are the kinds of things that the Mets have gone through. And, yes, so this plan of sustainability uh, probably – It was Javi Baez. Javi Baez, thank you. Um, oh. That last year. Yeah. Um, so the plan of sustainability is great if you're going to be a GM there for the next five years, but Billy Epler won't be unless he lands Shohei Otani. He's going to get fired and Buck Showalter is going to get fired. And it just shows you, you can have two $40 million pitchers, but they're on the back nine. Now, you know, Scherzer's got a little more than Verlander at the moment, but this is a sport where spending money matters. But you still got to spend it the right way and still have to hire the right people. And that's what Stephen so- Cohen's learning. Spending money matters, but spending money on maybe the right players and having the luck of 
those players staying healthy. You know, Jacob DeGrom signs with Texas. He blows out his arm. He may never pitch again now, supposedly. Yep. Uh, Carlos Radon, Kev signs with the Yankees. It's well, June 26th. He hasn't thrown an inning in the major leagues yet. So yeah. it's like you know, Aaron Judge signs the nine-year deal. He breaks his toe on the concrete at Dodger Stadium. He's Now he's been out for over a month. And the one thing I could say is the Yankees have kept their head above water. A guy like Billy McKinney is hitting 320, but that's not who they signed up for. People people going to Yankee Stadium didn't come to see Billy McKinney and Willie Calhoun. They came to see Aaron Judge and Carlos Rodon. But the injury situation is the great equalizer. Yeah, yeah and that's out of anybody's control. But, you know, the one thing about the Mets, Russ, that, that you know, like I'm such a baseball fan is that, that you know, I could still watch a bad team. You know, oh, me but, too. I mean, I watch them every night. Yeah, no, but I watch them and I like enjoy them. It doesn't make me angry. But but the point I'm trying to I was going to make is the one thing about the Tiger team that was really bad is they brought up a lot of younger players. With the Mets, you're just watching older players. Now, I think still watching Verlander and Scherzer is still a treat, just because you know you're watching you know two exceptional pitchers. They may not be the pitchers they were, but you know you're getting to see. You know them, and you know Scherzer's still a bulldog, and Verlander's a bulldog. You know they they still go at it; they compete pretty hard. But yeah, the Mets team would be less fun just simply because there's a lot of older players on that team. You know where no, you don't true. you don't I mean, see it. You know Detroit has Torkelson. They've got you know younger players that they're working into the lineup, Green, uh, and so forth. So you know you can kind of see the promise of the team I, with the Mets. It's a little more challenging. Yeah, they were supposed to compete, and they're not. All right, let's get started. There's a lot of stuff going on. Hello, Hockey World. Today is Monday, June 26, 2023. I'm Anthony Mangione. Russ Cohen from Sportsology. Kevin Allen. And I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Eklund will be joining us any moment. We'll start with the trade that didn't happen, Anthony. Um, the Philadelphia Flyers purportedly, reportedly, uh, we're going to make a blockbuster deal with the St. Louis Blues involving Travis Sanheim, primarily Kevin Hayes, Kevin Hayes yeah. uh, first round pick coming back, and Tory Krug. But Tory Krug put the kibosh on it because he won't waive his no trade clause. And uh, right now, that, for sure, right for now. for now, that is true. Yes. Right now. I, from the reporting from Pierre Lebrun and Elliot Friedman, it doesn't sound like he's going to. There, there's been overtures trying to get him to waive, or maybe promising him that he'll get traded someplace else. He's got a full no trade, um, you know. And then there's talk that eventually Hayes will be traded to St. Louis and anyway, but it yeah. doesn't sound like this right. big is ever going to happen. So we'll start with you, Anthony, and then go to Kevin. Yeah. So at the moment, you know, thing the deal is currently in, you know, basically in suspended animation for better, for lack of a better word, for determining of whether or not the, whether or not they're going to defrost it at any point for using science fiction terms. Um, it is where it is right now. I mean, that's the key uh, for Philadelphia right now is that they are, you know, waiting. And and again, to me, it seems like crew and, and rightfully so. Tory Krug has had this built into his contract and has every right to exercise it. Now he really wanted to go there too. That's important to notice like that. He really wanted to go there. Remember he could have gone, you know, that's where he wanted to be. Yeah. He wanted to go to St. Louis. Yeah. So, I mean, you don't blame him for like his kids. It's just a weird spot to be in. 
it's a very difficult spot to be in. And again, this is a power that he has in his contract and he has absolutely every right to uh, exercise that right. Um, even, even if for the Flyers, it is, you know, a difficult thing for them uh, because this was a case where, you know, based on reports, you know, obviously they're going to, they're going to be looking at retention on multiple deals here uh, that they potentially are looking at right now. Yeah. We also have obviously the Tony D'Angelo deal that currently is yeah. also kind of being held in suspended animation. Well, we'll talk, uh, about, well. That. We'll talk about that shortly, but yeah, again, in this circumstance, I think at the end of the day, we all objectively with, I know Kevin, uh, Kevin Weeks had reported, obviously that the, I think one of the key parts of this deal, of course, is the late first round pick that has been discussed, yeah. whether it's 25 or 29 yeah. uh, to, and, and that's, that's to get Philadelphia to either have that back end first round pick or use it as a chip to get for somebody yeah. who really wants to move up for them to get into the second round of right. this draft to spread things out certainly accordingly. So I think that's the ultimate objective here for Danny Breer is to kind of clear is obviously to clear the deck with some retention in this circumstance and continue to sort of continue within this rebuild, but it's obviously being, you know, the one, you know, in this circumstance, it's currently being held up and um, we'll see what potential other directions they may go in, whether Tory Krug changes his mind or the flyers are able to come up with, a partner, a trade partner to take to send him to that he would be amenable to. Right. Not but that, that's they, all but that's all speculation at this point. Well Kev, but that's and then I'm sorry, like I'll let you take yeah. take control here. Uh, the, the interesting thing here, Kev, because there's talk about crew doesn't want to go to Philadelphia, but he would go to Detroit because he's a Michigan native. Um I know David Pasternak uh, retweeted something from a, a Bruins fan about trading Krug back to Boston and retweeted it. So obviously they would love to have him back in Boston, but the six and a half million dollar cap hit is something they can't handle. Well, you know, what have you heard in regards to Detroit and Krug? Well, the only thing about the Detroit situation is is that you know, and and Steve Eisenman, uh, you know, unrelated to this, said less than a week ago he was just talking. He was talking about the idea of uh, picking the best available. Uh, athlete or player as opposed to speaking for position. And he said, like, for example, he said, any reason he does that is because you never know what your, your roster will look like from year to year. And he said, like last year, we were short and left um, shooting defensemen. He goes, and now it's the strength of our team. So, yeah. you know, and if that's the case, I don't see them adding in an expensive player. And the other thing I'd bring up, it's kind of funny, but uh, I don't know who said it, but there was a, joke running around of why the Red Wings didn't make a serious bid to get Tory Krug uh, when he was a free agent. And he's, and the, the story was, is that somebody within the organization is why should we go after a guy who's willing to come our team? Like we're so bad, like, <laughs> you know, right now, like, why does he want to come here? You know, we want guys that want, want to win, you know? So anyway, I mean, it was a joke, but uh, it certainly, uh, you know, it wouldn't be surprised if that was, it was kind of brought up that he just kind of wanted to go home as opposed to trying to win. So I don't know. I think I think knowing his personality a little bit, I think it's going to be hard to um, convince him to change his mind. So I've been doing a lot on this. Like I've my connections in Philly have never been better, um, as far as people I know and in higher places, you know. So I've been doing a lot of um, a lot of conversations, phone conversations back and forth, and talking to people. Mm -hmm. um, the Krug thing is, it's just not going to happen. He's not coming to Philly in a way, shape or form. And, and it also, it's also, it, it's really wasn't going to happen almost immediately. So the, it, by the time it came out, you know, that he had, he was refusing for now, he'd been refusing for days. And the other thing that was said, you know, he, you know, not to be a jerk, but I actually heard this through the grapevine. It's like, why would I want to go? I'm an injury prone defenseman. Why would I want to play for Tortorella? 
where I'm going to, it's like, you know, he, he's like, I'm going to be blocking hundreds of shots. That is absolutely a, a factor in consideration here. I mean, think about that, you know, like your crew, he's been out and missed, missed some, missed some time with injuries. He's going to go to a place that's going to make him play a certain style that's going to not help him stay healthy. Right. Um, but, you know, and for what, that's not a good thing either. I don't think it was, a, it wasn't a personal thing against Philly at all. No, right. no, it's it's more like, but it was more like, you know, hey, you know, and I, you know, you see, you wonder about the coach and, you know, Coaches always do play a part in these free agents in free, in free agencies or, or yeah. players wanting to come to places. Um, there are people, there are Tortorella people. There are people who love Tortorella, and that's what the players really should be looking at: looking, finding finding those people out there that love Tortorella because they'll play for him. You know. No, the, um, the other act. I want to ask you about this. The other aspect of this deal. Um, I mean, I understand the Kevin Hayes thing. They want to get they want to get out of the last three years of Kevin Hayes's deal. He's it's yeah. not a bit with Tortorella, you know, and I guess Krug would be the the salary coming back to make that possible. The interesting part of this is the Sanheim part because he's got a no trade that kicks in on July 1. Yeah. They're trying to do the old JVR, Jeff Carter, Mike Richards thing of getting the guy before the trade clause caught right. right. Well, he, um, and he's been on my rumor chart for months, as you guys oh, know. Oh, I know. And then that's why I'm asking this. It's like, I don't, I understand there's a switch in management. It went from yeah. Chuck Fletcher to Daniel Briere. But to go from a guy that we're going to sign for eight years at six and a quarter to now we want to get rid of this guy is a, is a pretty good shift in terms of the, their thought process on Sanheim after what, a few months? Yeah, you can say that, but, but yeah, you could say that, but at the same time, it's the management change. Sorry, right, the management change. You also have taken one account, count one thing here. We're going to hear a lot of flyers' rumors right now. Why are we going to hear a lot of flyers' rumors? Well, we haven't heard many flyer, flyers' rumors from like the mainstream media for not a long time. You know, like Fletcher wasn't like notoriously going after people, or you know, and you wouldn't hear him his flyers being interested. Um, when I did some inquiry into like Carter Hart and like with whether that was serious or not, um, I was told by the forces to be, it's like. It might not be as ser- it might not be that serious, but um, you know, I don't mind talking to people. I don't mind. I don't. Mind, I'm a new. Maybe maybe there's a maybe maybe new GMs and new presidents of teams like Jones and Briere want to start making relationships with general managers. Putting so out conversations out there all the time. You know, these are guys who ha- haven't been a GM before. You know, and Briere's got to get out there. And some people, a lot of people, have the opinion of Brandon Briere. Yeah, he was great. He was a great player in the playoffs. You know, but what is he going to do as a general manager? Um, he, he's a smart guy. Once you actually sit down and talk to him, you realize that he's an intelligent hockey guy for sure. But, but, you know, a lot of people just have that, you know, what I always say in hockey, in the hockey world is that one sentence on him, you know, and every, every, every player has a one sentence and one sentence on Briere is like, he's a great playoff performer. Um, but you know, no one thinks of him as a, as executive. So I think Briere, I think you're gonna see more and more rumors fly out there because I think every time a rumor goes out there and like suddenly connect needs available or something like that. Yeah, suddenly or connect hard or Lawton or, or, or something like that happens. Five other teams will call about Connecty. Five other teams will call about Lawton. You know what I mean? And then you're you're starting conversations, you're starting relationships, you're developing things. And I think that's something that really can't be understated here as to more way more rumors than what the Flyers will actually do, I believe is gonna be the case. They um now that I, I want to understand with the you know with the Carolina thing. Um well hold on, and, before we go to Carolina, yeah. you had mentioned something that I think is difficult to pull off. And this is not Danny Briere's fault. This yeah. is the Flyers' fault. Um, to find players that want to play for Torts and teams that want Kevin Hayes, and there's not a lot of that. Yeah. yeah, no, that's not. I mean, there's good. There's there's two. There's there's basically from what I how I how I've been reading it from conversations, and this wasn't like told to me directly, but this is what the just if I, if I would get you know because different GMs are different. And I've been trying to figure out what kind of GM this is, you know. Um, 
there's three different kinds of trades that work here, right? There's three different kinds of possibilities that work here. And the one is like, let's get rid of Hayes. Let's get rid of D'Angelo. You know, let's get rid of big contracts, um, eat money, and just start new because those guys are around here. They're hanging in the locker room. This is a lot, a lot like the Bill Guerin method of getting rid of people. You're going to pay a price for it for sure, but you're going to create a new atmosphere, right? That's definitely, the atmosphere is a big word right now around the, around the Flyers. Atmosphere is a big, big thing. Culture, atmosphere. And it should be because this team has lost that of, you know, which was one at one time, one of their biggest strongholds. They, they, one time, this was the best culture in the city for any team for a long time. And now it's not at all. You know well, what I mean? That's, that's been an issue. So, and then there's the trades where they're trying to go out and actually do something like they're trying to get some players, right? Well, I want Russ to bring up what he heard from Keith Jones. Cause I want to talk about that. Well, I didn't hear it. It was reported on Twitter. Oh, okay. So, but it yeah, was reported I that I just, I shared the tweet. That's all I did. Okay. So I'm not going to say and it was said that Keith Jones was out there talking about the rebuild not being uh, – you know, It's It was know. in context. The question was, so here it was. I did get it. And it was basically as, are we waiting until 2028 for you for this thing to be turned around? Right. I and think nobody, that was – and, and that, no, that was the question asked by the, by, by the morning show host from WIP was that <laughs> it was – is that. And I think I mean, that's, that's the context of the response. What did, he, what did Jones say? I didn't even hear this one. He said it's going to be faster than that. And, it's, and yeah. asked about 2028, which is five years away, is asinine. But the, but the, I'll say this. If you're going to go through the rebuild and you're going to trade players with players like Hayes and you're talking about trade, trading players like Sanheim and you're going to trade Konechny, don't go out and promise that the rebuild is going to be fast. This, If you're going to do a proper rebuild, it's going to take three, four years of reorganizing, getting <laughs> prospects okay, in your 26 then you're talking right yeah, so i mean yeah, and that's, that's a, that, that within that context you may not know so, no that's the whole yes thing. no i mean that's uh, yeah you might not know debate. here's the answer that i would give it'll take as long as it takes right yeah that's, that's right but, but i it, it will but that that may not that's that may or may not play with, with, that's not gonna I know, play with I'm, the, saying, uh, I'm not going to all of a sudden try and like Put the carrot a little closer by I saying I don't think I don't think I don't think I don't think I don't I don't I get the impression here that Jones is intending to. Yeah. I think he was it was given as you an extreme circumstance. You're talking a five year yeah, talking not, about a five year position. window. They're not in a position yeah, where they want to put days. out there that's, that they're not going to be good. Hold on, I mean, that's not hold on. The only thing that's 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 definite here is he doesn't think it's going to take until 2028. And you know what? Tell the Sabers that there's at least six other teams. Red Wings. Yeah, but if you tell, but if you, but you, but you have, but if you're trying to get people in, but if you're trying to get people into there, I don't think what he said here was necessarily completely out of turn. Yeah, from my perspective, given an extreme five year window, and he says, I don't think it'll take. Did he give a specific date? No, 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 he didn't. Doesn't think it'll take that long. So now he's kind of saying, don't worry, like by 2027, there is a huge specific difference that Briere's doing that no other GM and I've covered in Philly has done. And there's one thing he's doing that nobody else has done. And that the other day a name came up that he was in, that I thought I heard he might be interested in, or they might be interested in. And it was a, a relatively like a 28 year old, pretty good player, you know, 29, but like just, um, you know, and this is a player the Flyers definitely would have been interested in before. Like this is a guy that they definitely, and it fits, fits their needs that they have right now. And that's the first time ever a Flyers person has said, we're not ready for him yet. And that's an interesting thing to respond to because that, that tells you right there, that you know, this is a guy that you would get if you were a playoff team trying to take the next step, or you're you're distant, you know, or you're trying to make you're just a bubble team trying to make the playoffs. Yeah, and if it tells you that they know 
that they're not ready for those to pick up those guys yet. Right. If it's a 20, if it's a 23 year old that you can hold on for three right. or four years, then that makes sense. But the Flyers I have mean, never done this though. Like this, even, this is a brand new, the, I've, other teams have said this kind of thing to me, but I've never they've heard never really been in this position though. Actually. Right. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. They, they have, bottomed out. Like, they bottomed out, but they, but they had an, a unique opportunity to be able to snap back quickly when they had their, you know, the rough, the, you know, obviously the rough year in the mid two thousands. Well, look at what Hitchcock Fletcher left in Minnesota. Like, look at what Fletcher left in Minnesota. That's pretty important to look at here because Fletcher's Minnesota. What he left in Minnesota, what Gehring came in to take over, and you know, and the this kind, same kind of mistakes are what Briere's got to kind of erase. You know, not completely, but similar no, situations. Not as bad as Minnesota because you don't have fourteen million dollars in dead cap money because you had to buy out. Yeah, but the, Minnesota was still an okay team. Yeah, they, their, their issues were not the same. They didn't let it go as far as the Flyers let it go. Yeah. Well, the only thing I'd say is that, you know, what's kind of lost, you know, the first of all, I think fan bases have a general idea now that with the 32 team league, it's hard to rebuild through the draft and it takes time. Like, you know, I think by all accounts, Steve Eiserman has done extremely well in his first round picks. And there's seven years without making the playoffs. Like Steve Eisenman has said right from the beginning, pretty much what Russ said, and that is it will take as long as it takes. Like, I'm not going to promise you. And what he says now is, you know, I feel we're getting there, but will we make the playoffs next year? I got no idea. Like he says that all the time. He's not afraid to say that, you know, and I think that's the way to go. You're just honest with your fan base. It's like, you know. Very specific, Kevin. You're exactly right. Yeah. You're exactly right what you're saying. And they have very specific diamonds in the rough that they're thinking about right now right. that that they think they can get that no one else is going to kind of ignore. And a lot of that comes from an interesting twist, which we haven't seen before, which is your team president has sat, stood between benches on many, many occasions, watching players at the, at the ice level and how they interact with their teammates on the bench. And he's seen the characters and guys at a deeper, like Jones, by being in that position for a very long time has definitely picked up on some guys that he thinks are not being are being ignored or some guys he thinks are better team people than you would expect them to be. And I that I think that's where Jones plays is going to play a major role in this because that is that is a really unique position to be in, you know, like to be sitting there. Cuz he hears he would hear he hears conversations, he hears people going back and forth on both benches all the time. Um, you know, and and, and as, as an anal- analyst, he would bring up some good things sometimes. He said this guy just said this or this guy's trying to get his trying to rally his troops or whatever. You'd hear those kind of things from him. I think you're going to see that. With the now, yeah. now, now, the interesting thing yeah, about Kevin, yeah, Kevin, oh, I'm sorry. Well, no, I was, I was just going to say I agree with you on that. Um, I think and and being, um, you know, just being an analyst, like he was one of the better analysts in terms yeah. of actually kind of understanding the inside. He did his homework. You know, yeah. some analysts just basically watch the game and then, you know, rely on like Mark Messier is that way. I mean, Mark yeah. Messier is not calling and talking to players and doing those kind of things. Well, Keith did do that. So he did all of his homework. And I think that will, you know, kind of serve him well. The the issue is, though, is I think no matter what they do, it's like imperative that, you know, they add first-round picks, especially this year where the draft is very deep. And even late like that, they might get a player. That'll be significant because it just takes forever. uh, Depending depending on how good their scouting staff is and and, who they pick and how they develop them. Well, I think these key players I'm talking about here, to finish this straight of thought here, is that um, the kind of players I'm talking about are the kind of players that have kept Buffalo, Detroit, and, and slowed down Edmonton's progress. I'm talking about like the the, the bottom six guys who have re- that, that those teams have always needed but never found the right ones. You know, what I mean that that's, that's to me there have been there have been stars in those places, 
but it's taken them longer because they haven't filled out the rosters with like the P late second, third, fourth liners. And those are the kind of, like what Jones has beyond the fact he's incredibly hardworking, like you say, Kevin, he does a hell of a lot of research. And anybody who lives in Philly knows that we would hear him, we would see him <laughs> on a television show and then hear him at five in the morning. We would, hear, we would watch a game and hear him at five in the morning on the radio the next day. He's, he was crazy, right? But he does have good bench instincts, like really good bench instincts. And even as a player on the bench, he was one of those guys who was like bigger on the bench than he was on the ice event. Like he's, that's what he does, you know? So I think that, it could be sped up a little bit by getting some of these star quality draft picks and filling those players in with some really good support players that are like, you know, the guys that are getting three to $4 million a year, but are earning, but are scoring at the rate of like $6 million. Yeah, the problem is that is getting those guys, getting those players to come in into a rebuilding situation and the Krug thing is proof that it's going to be tough to do that. Now, the interesting thing about the D'Angelo thing, uh, Elliot Friedman reported this a couple hours ago, and this may jive with what you, what you found out, Eck, is um, they can't trade him back to Carolina and retain his salary until one calendar year after the deal that sent him from right. Carolina to Philly. And that deal happened at the draft in Montreal in early July. So one calendar year, I think right. it is July 7th or July 8th. So it should be, it should be draft to draft, but it's not. Like the, I was talking about something about this. I'm it's the thing. contract, too, and when it was, I think, filed. That's probably the yeah. biggest issue. The, I think the mistake here was, this is just my speculation here, is they must have maybe may have thought it was from the acquisition point. But again, they didn't have him under con. They right. It was reported at the draft of that they were going to sign him to a two-year contract, but whatever the, it comes down to the filing. Right. So but Kevin, you were talking a lot about Carolina last year. Like they did not want to let D'Angelo go away. Like they actually did like D'Angelo. Correct. Right. Yeah. yeah. The only thing I, mean, I would say about this is um, Anthony's right. And they have other people in the front, front office, like a capologist and otherwise who should know this. And this, and, and, and for me, it doesn't give me a lot of confidence when you all of a sudden hear that this trade's like minutes from happening and all they have to do is decide it said on the it was going to be minutes from happening. They were talking well, about I mean, it was going to be filed saying, next day, but it was also based okay, on next day. So but I think it, whatever the cap situation was, was that I, it was going to happen at, uh, not well, separately, but along after what happened. Maybe, maybe they wrote that. that. that obviously was talking was, about that. Nobody wrote that. It I was mean, either being that day or the next day. And now we find out July 8th. Russ, maybe they reported it to the league, and the league said you can't do this because of this. Well, yeah, but okay. like, 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 who cares? Like, if they've made the trade and they'll wait. I mean, Mike Babcock. That's, that's that was my point. That yeah, was my I mean, point, like Kevin. It was like, okay, wait until July eighth. Then, as long as everybody agrees to the trade, that right. you know, if there's a now, if there's a twenty, if there was a twenty twenty three pick involved here. Right. Then yeah. you then in that case I, I agree I I, yeah. I, be, I I make it's much more of an issue. Not. It's very yeah. obvious at this point that a 2023 pick is not involved. It's a right. low level problem, and it's already been reported a low level pro a lower level right. prospect. Right, but Kevin does make a good point. You do have to hope in another week they still want to do it. They might yeah, give, me, give me a give me a no, dollar. I, that was the point I made to you, that you oh, made earlier. You yeah, so no, no, yeah, that, that, that they still want to do it. But I think there's an agreement here in this case that they're giving the dollar for every NBA trade that's reported that it happens about three weeks after the fact. They just have to wait till some clause or something you know, yeah. that happens. So yeah, if they, if, and I think I think he eventually is going to end up back in Carolina. Yeah. But Russ is, Russ is right. If it's not officially filed in the NHL, Carolina Don Waddell could say, "I don't want him anymore." Why would they do that? I mean, you know, that's the thing. If they do it, then yeah. that's why. Why blo then you're 
it, it maybe a better deal comes along. It, it better Trust comes Don along, Waddell. but it, 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 but a people like Don Waddell's not like if this was if this was McCrimmon in Vegas. People might be a little bit nervous about this kind of thing, but depends on each individual general manager. It does, even though there's no relationship, people just in general trust Waddell. You know, well, like he, I, I, I but there's an interesting thing I got, Kevin. I, went into, I just got this text just now. Yeah, about this about the um, crew thing, and I was wondering this too because I've over the years, but since I've been a rumor person before Twitter was out and all this stuff, that's what I've always done has been as rumors. I have been extremely careful not to put out players' names that are involved in trades until. It's pretty much done. Like, but like, if, if I like, if I know a trade's about to happen or something like that, like, or if I do put them out, I don't put them out as definites. Like, there are some like this Krug thing. Um, you know, the the NHLPA hates this. You know, like, they, there's nothing worse than like Krug now, like being told, like it getting publicly out there that Krug He's is a bad guy. Yeah, yeah, that, and it, it puts him in a really weird spot. And I just, I don't, I don't like, I don't. I don't know where it came well, it out. It was like, reporter's product of deduction. I don't think anybody had sort of said anything with regards to who the defenseman was. But if you once you started digging into who's got right. the U.S. who's got, who's got the no trade clauses, and you yeah. whittle those things down, it but then became obvious who that player was. Anthony, all four of their top defense. I know they. I'm well aware of that, Mike. Yeah, yeah. this is the only one that would make sense. So I get that right. at the same time. But even that is like if if you if through the power of deduction you can come to a name like this. I think I don't know. I guess Twitter has killed this, but before I didn't used to put these things out. Like I would, I would keep them out. You know, but I guess now you're just allowed to put out anything, Kevin. Yeah, I mean, don't you think by now that players understand the full ramifications yes. of no trade clause, including the fact that they could be vilified? Sure. For no, they know that, but day. also, don't you think by now, like journalists, you know, like a lot of where I got to this in this at this time and day was by building trust relationships with guys like this. You know, like. By, by building with the players, you know, and you too. Like, you build a relationship that they know they can talk to you and it's not going to yeah. come out. So this is, like, the kind of thing that I would never have done just for that reason, selfish reason alone, that I don't want to screw Krug. One, I don't want him to you know, be put in that position where he's got to do this. But also, I want him to be, continue to be a friend of mine as we move forward. And him know I knew the information but didn't put it out is way more valuable than – then throwing him under the bus. But act, this is old hat. I mean, remember the Muskoka five. You remember the five players who wouldn't waive their no trade clauses when the. You know, yeah. I mean, they were completely shamed. And in, in, in the case of Matt Sundin, I think deservedly so. Um, but but the other but the other ones were were shamed because they wouldn't wait. Now it wasn't their fault. It was John Ferguson Jr. who gave them who gave five players. That's the end of the day. Off. Yeah, you chose you, they, you yeah. chose to give those contracts at the time. I that mean, was the danger of it. You're absolutely right in terms of that, you know, you're in a difficult spot. On the other hand, I mean, this is a pretty big event for fan bases. Um, yeah. This is actual big news, you know, yeah. like, well, okay, we news. thought this deal was going to happen. It didn't happen. Why? And, no, once we know it, like we have, when, you know, if you actually know it like this, I get why people would put it out there because once it's out there, it's yeah. out there. Well, but if, if you're the only person who knows it, that's a different situation. I mean, that's well, thinking, I mean, and, and then it's then you're naive to think you're the only person who knows. Well, it, it depends on how you got it. I mean, you right. know, it if, if, with a player or the agent or whatever. Yeah, um, I mean, some, if, if they deal, if the guy cut a deal with you and said you can't use this even on background, yeah. well, then you can't use it. Right, and you don't, yeah. and, and that happens a lot. So, and, I mean, and if you needed an example of an NBA trade in the NHL, the Ryan Johansson deal was the prototypical NBA trade. Yep. Traded him for an expiring contract in Alex Galchenyuk, retained 50%, and now Nashville's not going to sign Galchenyuk. So you gave away Ryan Johansson 
because you wanted to clear at least some of his $8 million. You cleared four of it for the next two years. If you bought him out, it was, I think it was a $2.7 million cap hit for four years. So brilliant move, by, brilliant move by Trotz, by the way. Yeah, no, I mean. I no, mean, well, not bad move for Colorado either. Exactly. No, yeah, he not. could play. Colorado, Colorado, he could yeah. still play enough to help you. Yeah. 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 You know, it's like Ken Holland used to say, I hate him at $8 million, but I love him at four. Right, He's going to be your JT Comfort replacement for for Colorado. I can't see them signing Comfort. And now Comfort's going to be again in a very thread in a very threadbare UFA market. Comfort suddenly becomes a very interesting oh, yeah. potential ad for yeah. teams who are going to overpay probably. I have another general point that I'd like to put out there for everybody to discuss. Okay, that this is this, and this is um, we are going to see like the the overall feeling I've gotten is that. And everybody has this thing that the Matthew Chuck saga that went through last year, where Matthew Chuck went to Calgary and respectfully said, I'm not going to sign here again. No. Please try to trade me down, is happening a lot more in the NHL than it's ever happened. Oh, yes. Players are now comfortable doing this. It was something that players weren't comfortable doing for a very long time. Now players are actually comfortable doing it, which is great because it's good for us. It's good. It puts things out there. Um, but because of the teams, too. I mean, yeah, really, it's, yeah. it's really good for everybody, um, except for maybe the, you know, the, when it gets out there, the player does it. If, if it gets out there, the player did it, then and he doesn't get traded, then then the player's stuck in his spot where the fans are going to boo him. But besides that, the, the but the bigger thing is there is a this has caused a bit of a um, surplus of tradable players right now. And what's happening because of that is no one is willing to give up a lot for anybody at, right at this point because there's a real belief that 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 their prices are going to come down because of just the number of players out there, right? Well, so. Okay. Kevin, are you feeling the same thing? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I did want to just add to that a little bit too. Also, you know, I've heard this from um, two general managers who said that the um, if you're looking for a difference-making player, the free agent market is not just not for you. Right. So you've convinced yourself that you're going to have to go to the trade market to get that guy. So there's two different kind of pressures there too. So on one hand, they want the, the market to go down because there are a lot of guys available in trade. On the other hand, they won't be able to get that guy they want. You can get, you know, as one said to me, you can get a player. And, you know, maybe a guy that will help you, but you can't get those difference makers. They're available in the trade, trade market. <laughs> yeah. so, but, but, then, but then, Kev, this is, and this is the dilemma for these general managers out there. Like, let's use the Pierre-Luc Dubois situation as an example. Um, there's talk about him going to L.A. There's also talk about him going to Montreal. He's an RFA. He's got all the control. He could sign a one-year deal and walk to unrestricted free agency, but whoever's trading for him and giving up significant assets is going to want him on a long-term deal. If you look at the rumors regarding him going to L.A., the supposedly it's Gabe Velarde and I, Alex Iafalo, two pretty decent players, and that would help. That would help Winnipeg out. But if you're only getting them for one year, nobody wants to give up those prospects. It's, it's all conditional on these players signing long-term deals and these teams getting a long-term commitment. And some of these players don't want to do it. There are well, a ton. Of, there are a ton of teams talking to agent trade out for other players. It's, yeah, it's, we, well, we haven't heard about it, but there's a lot of it. There's players. I think the one thing you're forgetting, Mike, is. There's a group of play of teams that want to get the player long term, and there's another group that want them for one year. Right, and they're, they're, the offers are reflect that. So you know, you know, I I mentioned the particular player who has one year left, and 
he said, we're very interested, you know, but we're telling them right up front, we want one year out of you. Right. You know, like, you know, I they're just buying was, a much longer rental the way they're viewing. I heard that with yeah. Pierre-Luc Dubois and Dallas, for example. Oh, like, yeah. Dallas is a team that could go take on Pierre-Luc Dubois for one year. He could, he could, he could look at it like, okay, I'm going to go to a team that's in a Stanley Cup contender, and I'm going to go there, and in my one year, I could raise my level highly because I could have a successful playoff run. And now, you know, my, after that one year, I could go anywhere. Dallas could look at like, okay, we'll take it for one year as a like a trade deadline that we do at the beginning, the trade deadline pickup that we do at the beginning of the season, right? Essentially, that's how they would look at it. So, yeah, I think you're right, Cam. I think I think you're going to see both of those scenarios. Um, but the but the thing, okay, like, and you know, Noah Hannafin is another one. I'm sure there are a lot of teams out there that would like Noah Hannafin and like him for one year. Uh, he's only 26 year old, 26 years old, but I'm sure there are teams out there that want for eight years. The problem is, like, and you know, I've heard him being connected to Toronto, and you know, Brad Treliving was the guy who traded for him from Carolina and and likes him. Problem yeah. is, he's got an 18 no trade list, and he doesn't want to play in Canada. So probably seven of those eight teams are the Canadian team, or six oh. of those eight teams are the Canadian team. So he's probably not going to go to Toronto. Why? What, yeah, you sound angry about that, Mike. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's just the reality of today's world. You know? I think, I think the only team in Canada is is perhaps with a shot with him is Toronto because of Toronto, I, I, because I, of Toronto I, living, because of it's a short term deal. Yeah, a, yeah. I saw feeling, the general feeling around is that he wants to play for the Bruins eventually. Yeah. I sound angry. Like, that's, that's, so, that's, so whether or not that's going to happen or not. I sound angry about everything, Kev. So that's no, no, you do. I, I agree. But you sound angry baby. about the guy just exercising his position. No, 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 to be no, no, no. That's. I mean, that's his right. I'm just saying. Yeah. No, but I, mean, I think I think there is a reality now that when these guys have no trades or no moves and they decide that they don't want to be with that team anymore, they don't want to get traded for the right. one year. They yeah. only want to get traded if they're re-signing for long-term. And that's the yes. thing. Every team wants Hellebuck on one year or Hannafin for one year. Every team would want that, but the players don't want that. Yeah, yeah Mark, Mark, yeah. Ottawa got not nothing, but they didn't get the value for Mark Stone because they couldn't sign him and he was going to Vegas. And then he turned right around and signed a $9.5 million eight-year deal with Vegas because he wanted to be there. But if had they known that, they would have gotten right. a lot more in the trade. Right. Right. But, on Halibut, by the way, but, I've heard that the reason we haven't seen a Timo Meyer deal done yet is tied to the Halibut possibility, and uh, that, that that you know that help that right. they that they they could ask Timo for a discount. Timo's like only if you guys can get him, kind of thing. Yeah. You know, like I'm I'm not if you guys can't get him, then I want my full contract. If you guys can get him, maybe I give you a little bit back, and because yeah. he's, you know, yeah. Well, but Russell's point is a, a good point, uh, and we need to amplify that a little bit. There are far more players who want. To have long-term contracts, then contracts sure. want like Act just presented a scenario which, you know, that's out there. There are players who would rather play one year. Of course, of course, in his case, you know, he's thinking, okay, I'll go there for one year and then I'll go to Montreal. Yeah, you know? I'll, and, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a team that wants the one-year commitment. A team like Buffalo wants a defenseman to pair with Owen Power but they don't want to sign somebody long-term because they're going to pay power and they're going to pay Darlene and they can't afford another defenseman at $6 million. So they would love to get Pesci 
or or love to get Hannafin for a year and then say thank you for your service and enjoy free agency. But a lot of teams that and the Sabers have the young assets to say okay we'll go for that one year. But a lot of teams don't like Toronto is not going to trade Matthew Nyes to Calgary for Noah Hannafin and then let now Noah Hannafin walk. They're going to want that long term commitment and he doesn't probably would not want to sign a long term deal with Toronto. So that's where these teams when they trade Nyes to get him a long term. Yeah, they might. They might. I think. I, I think oh, they shy away from it because Nyes is a is a unicorn for that team. He's a big forward, and they don't have many big forwards. I think they would hesitate. But if, if you know, if they could get if they could get Hannafin on a on a on a reasonable contract, they might think of it. But I I, I don't think so. Is it, you know, is it possible that people and this is totally speculation? I'm just throwing it out there to get what the, what you guys think about it, but. If you're sitting around now and you're watching Pittsburgh and you see that they've gotten to this point where they've got nothing, I mean nothing coming, like zero. They don't, you know, they're they're really what you see with the fingers is what you got. They look at them and they're going, oh no. So like Toronto with Nice, who thinking, you know, I gotta I gotta save him because you know, you you know who who knows how long we're gonna be contending. Do you think that's that people are seeing that or are they totally ignoring that? Oh, I mean, okay, Kyle. I mean, Kyle Dubas obviously sees it because you know he's talking about not buying out players, and he's and he, obviously he's going to be focused on on rebuilding that organization through the draft. And Hextall right. was starting to do that, but never really got the chance to fully realize that situation. But yeah, the, the, his situation is, and this is why I was a little scared for Kyle Dubas taking that job, is because. You've got yeah. maybe a year, two years at most, with with uh, with Crosby, Malkin, and Latang before they, you know. Be- yeah, but I'm I, and I'm not talking about the Penguins. Like I I, I think Dubas yeah. went in with his eyes. I'm talking about the other teams. Are they looking at the Penguins? If you're the Boston Bruins, yeah, yeah. you know, for example, are you looking at the Penguins and go, man, that could be us? You know, if exactly. we don't. And- yeah, they emptied right. the chamber. I mean, listen, they the deadline. They they emptied they, they right. emptied the chamber, right? Yeah, I think so, it is. I mean, the talk is Krejci's not coming back. Okay, so and he wasn't making that much. If Bergeron retires, which I think it's 50-50 right now, I mean, they have no centers. Their number one center is Charlie Coyle. So, I mean, they're they're there now if those guys retire. I mean, it's almost like squirrel theory. I mean, you got to squirrel away some nuts for, you know, up the road. I mean, you really do. Like, even if those guys are three years away, you know, you put them away and you, you don't think about them, you know, like, I mean, you know, the good thing that a team does there, Russ, is that these teams like that can let guys incubate for a lot longer. Um, and, you know, this is what Detroit used to do all the time, right? Kevin, like, is like what they would do all the time. And, and so Russ, you yeah. know, Russ is always saying you should have like two or three guys, like two or three years in the junior. Well, especially whatever. in college or you get European yeah. players because you don't have to make quick decisions on them. Yeah, right? although the problem with that, I mean, the Red Wings actually were criticized for, you know, as – Ken Holland used to say, I like them overripe. And um, the problem with that is, is once they would get up there, they'd have no, t- you know, they'd watch them for a few games, and then they have to make a decision on them because they were out of options. Really? You know, yeah, that's that's too long. Yeah. Yeah, it's too long. So, you know, there's there's probably a happy uh, medium there. But I, you know, I just for some reason just have a sense that you're going to see, you know, teams like, I think that's Dubas's mandate in Pittsburgh is. It's similar, actually. You know, people hate it when you compare him to Hextall, but Hextall was trying to do what ownership wanted, which is to win now. But he was also trying to, you know, create some sort of prospect base so that, 
you know, he would have a replenishing supply of, you know, players. And that's hard to do. But I think Dubas is going to do that too. Yes. I think he's going to do it too. And I think Dubas was, I obviously when he came down and said he wasn't going to buy out guys, that part of his mandate getting hired. No. He's not buying out these guys. You know, that basically was, you know, you come in here, but you're not buying out these. Like they knew there were certain things that Dubas can't do. I'm sure that's the case that, you know, when he was brought in. The other one, the other move that was curious was Aiden Hill getting signed for two years at almost five million AAV. And if you look at what's going on with Vegas, Brassois is a UFA, so he's probably gone. Mm-hmm. Quick is a UFA. He's probably he might retire. You never know. Um, this tells me Robin Leonard's never playing again, or at least not playing the next year or so, because they wouldn't spend five million dollars on Aiden Hill. They have Logan Thompson now, and there's your pairing, but they wouldn't spend almost $5 million on Aiden Hill if they weren't confident in either a moving Leonard's deal or him never playing again. Yeah. I think they're going to try and move his deal. I just don't think he'll play for them. To me, it feels very much like they don't believe that Logan Thompson's coming back so soon. Like that, that like they're worried about that because he's obviously their best goalie. Like he's their top goalie. They said he's ready to, he was almost ready. I know, but they're nervous about him. You know what I mean? They're, 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 they're definitely nervous about, yeah, about I think it. They're, they're hedging their bets. They gave they only gave Hill two years for that part. Yeah, yeah. I, the, the one thing about that contract that that's just stun. I mean, it just stuns me for for this reason. I remember during the playoffs when he was so hot. Um, you know, readers of the Detroit Red Wing uh, site that I write for, um, they were commenting that maybe because the Red Wings are looking for a goalie to play with you, so they were commenting about. Um, signing him and the thought was that you could probably get him for 5.5 and I thought that's just totally ludicrous for a guy who's <laughs> never really been a starter and yeah. now the reality is he got 4.9 like that's yeah. pretty much 5.5 like it is, but it's, it's it is Vegas and Vegas falls hard in love with, going, uh, with yes, guys they, no, they no, really do I mean and I would have thought three million bucks you yeah. know what I mean so he was making he was making two. I thought he was gonna three, three point five, and he gets almost five. I'm like, wow, what if he got they real, again? Like they have to really like they have to really, really like yeah. the way he you know kind of fits yeah. that that team. I think they they stylistically, yeah. I think they, they yeah. felt like maybe they were at the they've played their strongest in and they did. I mean, at the end of the day, they did. They played their strongest yeah. in front of him. So you put he that. Might be a flavor of the month, you know, yeah. because Thompson was flavor. Be. Of the month, you yeah. know, and he does have a character. Good flavor. It is a good flavor. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I think I, I, you know, you guys know my opinion. He's Robert, he's Robin Leonard two to me. Like he's, I was not a Robin Leonard fan either, and they're the same kind of goalie to me. And that you're looking at the same. The only difference, the only difference, heck, is you don't hear any issues with Aiden Hill getting into it with players or. Being, yeah. Oh no, you know, but no, just stylistically the way they play. Isn't that snakes or anything? I mean, they play the same, Leonard, they play the same kind of way. And we that's understand. Like, we understand Leonard's issues, but still, yes, he yeah, is being respectful not liked by all. No, I'm not. I'm not. This is not. Yeah, this is not, no, no, you know, it's no. just simply style. It's a style yeah. that I don't love in goaltenders myself. It's just like one of these. It's it's, it's the overcommitting. Now, too cujo for your taste. If he wins two cups, <laughs> then what are you going to say over that? Like, I mean. No. I'm sitting here doing a podcast. Did that, uh, there's no like. <laughs> now this is this is no this is no great revelation. <laughs> this is no great revelation when it comes to what's going to happen over the next week, Kev. But I I would be shocked if we don't see a lot of these deals where players like Jake Muzzin, who's 
his career's over with, and he's a $5.6 million cap hit and on LTIR if Toronto moves him out or if Leonard gets moved out of Vegas for all these injured, but because the cap room is so crippling right now. And these, there are a bunch of teams like Anaheim and now Nashville that are like 25, $30 million under the cap. And they'd rather trade for a guy and get to the cap floor that way and not, and not sign somebody to a long-term deal. So I, I, we're going to see a lot of those. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think it's going to be, that's going to be fun. I mean, I think, I think the, the seeing what Poyle managed to pull off with, you know, getting rid of Johansson, which was which Johansson, which I didn't think he'd ever be able to do, um, and he they needed to because he was a real waste of time um, in Nashville. Like he, there's a few players that I would say that about, but he just really did not. He, he well, didn't fit, he didn't fit Brunette's style of yeah. and his style of any of the coaches they had there, honestly, because he didn't he didn't have any success there. But, I mean, really, the smallest amount of success to me that if, I love I love to see what he's going to do with all this cap space. Like I can't wait to see what Travis is going to do with it. Yeah, they're not a bad team. The key players they have signed, remember they they pushed it into the they pushed up almost a playoff spot. They're they're an interesting team. They still need to score goals though. Yeah, they do need to score. Well, here you know you make an interesting point about that, and I think it, it you know it doesn't it didn't get enough attention, but you know David Poe couldn't have made that deal because um, it you know Nashville and I know this is the case Nashville ownership has not been happy since the Kyle Turris deal about buyouts. I mean, they're still paying on that Kyle Turris deal and it's more than $2 million. And, but Barry Trotz is in his honeymoon period. So, you know, and um, you know, he could go and say, look, we will, we will, let's retain um, because it's not as bad as a buyout. And I'm sure he's convincing him uh, of that, but you know, they're retaining salary for, um, the rest of his contract, and you know you, that's that's hard to do. I mean, yeah. I, I've had GM say to me that you know you guys just dismiss it like it's real easy to walk into an owner's office and say, yeah, I want you to eat, yeah. you know, two and a half million million dollars. Well, I guess you didn't sign him if you weren't the yeah. other side. Yeah, yeah. So in any in any in any in any business, you go to and say, "Yeah, I need you to eat this," and it's like, yeah. Well, yeah. What? <laughs> I don't think David could do that because he was the Kyle Tourist. Uh, and he's and the guy who signed it. Well, the the the, inter- the interesting one, and we haven't I don't think anybody's heard his name mentioned in terms of trade or or buyout when it comes to Nashville is Ryan McDonough. And you know, now he's got a I just looked it up, he's got a modified no trade. He's got three years left at six point seven five. I don't know if anybody's taking him at that amount. They, they would probably have to eat, so. they'd probably have to eat I, half of that one. I guarantee you he's not even close to what they consider their biggest problem. <laughs> not not even anywhere near their biggest problem. Yeah, I think there's still be value out there. Or interesting. Right? Biggest problem is Duchesne. No, but he can still play to a degree. He's just not himself. So I think what Kevin's saying is true. He's not a problem on the ice. He's just not what yeah, he's like I, I don't think they're worried about his salary. Um, that's what I'm saying right now. He's a good teaching guy to have around too. Yeah. I mean, all the about I mean would they would they wish he was three million dollars cheaper? Yeah, but but but, but Duchesne Duchesne fits what brunette the the style that brunette wants to play. So I don't think that's a big problem with them. I mean, they have to have somebody at forward. If they if they traded Matt Duchesne, their highest pri- pi- pi- paid player would be Colton Sissons. And like he's yeah, now he likes his. I I do think they think it's a problem. 
Okay. Now they think it's a problem for sure, but at the same time, yeah. he has had at least months at a time when he's been when he's been when he's been effective. Like he has, like, as opposed to him, and Johansson has not had that at all, right? So the difference is much was much harder in Johansson, I believe, because you know, and and the other thing about Duchesne is he tends to build up garbage. Like he builds a lot of skeletons in his closet as he goes along with coaches, but when he whenever he's faced with a new coach, he doesn't have those skeletons yet. And I think that helps him. I think it, I think it helps him mentally. Like he definitely seems to be better when he's not playing against the things he's done wrong in the past as much as yeah. he is. You know? Yeah. I think even when he's productive, they don't always like him. No. Oh, yeah. No, he's, you know, he's, so. he's been productive, but he's, he's still sometimes a selfish player on the ice. They feel certain things like about his defense. They don't like it all. I've heard that too. Um, well, so what, I, mean, just, I think his general attitude is, you know, it's, it's a pretty complex deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? I get that. Um, so rest the draft here we go. We're, we're, yeah, you guys are all heading to the draft, right? Everybody in here is heading mm-hmm. to the draft. Yeah. Well, I guess it for me. How'd that work out? Um, anyway, maybe 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 I shouldn't be running this place anymore. Um, anyway, I'm not going to the draft, but you guys are all going. And hot know, chicken, hot chicken. Obviously jealous about the whole thing because you know, and the awards are tonight too, which is which is a great idea. Like, let's just well, throw that out there. Well, let me bring up one thing for the awards. Has there been any example? in the history of the NHL of a goaltender winning the Vesna and then maybe getting traded in the next week, because all of a sudden they're talking about Linus Allmark getting traded from the Bruins. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a, it's a good point. Um, so, wait uh, a minute. Flurry. What about flurry? Yeah. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to trade him. Uh, no, I mean, it's, it's just a guess, but you know, yeah. but Eric Carlson's yeah. openly talking about getting traded. Well, I wanted to bring, I wanted to bring that up just because I found that whole interview so enlightening because he basically said, go ahead. I'm open-minded. Send me, including Ottawa. I go to Ottawa. Yeah. I mean, me right now. <laughs> it's time. It's time to leave San Jose. He said, yeah. And, you know, he was uh, honest about it. Yeah, yeah, he was. And like, it was so refreshing. Like, you know, it wasn't like I got to, you know, I got to go to someone's contending. You know, he just said, bring yeah, it on. It was really important for the Sharks that he had that interview. I'll tell you that. Because a lot yeah. of people since then changed their attitude. Like, thinking that he wasn't willing to go places, thinking he wasn't. Well, what, what GM said, the reason they're doing that is just because the Sharks are making it really hard in terms of how much money they'll. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, retain. So, it, I mean, you know, it's, so. it's counterproductive. Like, okay, to say I want two first round picks, which was out there before the deadline for for him, and to say we're not going to retain for you to get anything in a deal for Eric Carlson, no matter how good he is, you probably have to retain at least four, maybe five million dollars of the eleven point five million dollar salary. Salary. If you don't, good luck. Let him rot in Northern California for the next four years. Right. right. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I think you're gonna rot there, Mike. I heard somebody tell me today, the source of mine within the Predators organization. Wouldn't it be fun? <laughs> to pick up Eric Carlson on the draft floor somehow, having all the money they have in the cap and having different situations, would he be the kind? And, and you know, this is this wasn't a rumor as much as it was just somebody there who was saying, "Wouldn't it be fun?" Um, yeah, it would be. Yeah. But that and deal it, will it, have to be made like tomorrow because they're not going to have enough time to make that deal on the draft floor with probably the complications of retention and the contract. That deal won't come together on the draft floor. You know it's going to happen tomorrow because we're all going to be on a plane. And like right. when we land, like when I land in, I in, in Atlanta, well, I know. <laughs> 
when I land in Atlanta, my phone is going to be ringing off the friggin' hook. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, here, here's what I'll say. I, I about, say. Here's what I'll say about the draft, though. I mean, I don't, I don't have a lot of time, so I don't want to just be curt about it. Um, but the Matt Bay Mitchkoff situation is interesting because Frank Saravalli tweeted out that, you know, Montreal is going to interview him. And we kind of knew they would. Yeah. Uh, but the, the reason I feel like Montreal's in the lead here, and I, only because I don't think San Jose will take him, is because they have Nick Bobrov. He used to be with the Rangers. He drafted a lot of Russians with them. He's now co-director of amateur mm-hmm. scouting there. He's very influential in, in Russia. I'm sure Mitchkov knows of him already. And he's an engaging guy. And so if he talks to Mitchkov, there's probably a very good likelihood they could sell him on Montreal simply because they've had good luck with Russians. It's a great place to play. And they need a superstar. They still don't have a superstar. Like Suzuki's really good. Cole Caulfield's excellent. But they still don't have a superstar. They could basically sell on that. Well, yeah. and, and I know you got to go, but I'll just, I'll just respond this way. It's clear that what, what the way Mishkov is approaching this with the, you know, the sort of the media shutdown in, in Russia that he wouldn't talk to certain teams. Now he's talking to them, but he's trying to control where he's going to go. And it may yeah, not work. Great, sure. Yeah, he may. It may not work. He may. You know, Montreal may take him no matter what. And some teams will just say, "Screw it, I'm taking him because he's the best player." And I don't know whether it's Washington, but there's a team or teams that he wants to play play for, and he's trying to control his destination. And it might work, and it might not work. But I think that's what he's doing. Yeah, yeah I think Montreal's going to take him too. Um, I highly because, suspect it too. And yeah, if yeah. not, I don't see him getting past Arizona. I think yeah, Arizona. They can yeah. stash him if he just brought fine with it. They can. They really they can. can. Until they get to Salt Lake. Yeah. yeah. I, heard Arizona, I heard Arizona and Washington. Like, the, if he gets to Arizona, Washington and Arizona have been talking about something. So oh, I have like, no doubt of it. Yeah, they'll try to. If he gets to Arizona, I could, see, I could definitely see the Capitals making that. I, I, I do think Philly, there's a decent. I think if he gets to seven, there's a possibility. He's not getting by eight. Eight is the lowest. I think eight to me. Oh, no, if he, he gets past eight, 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 eight will, will, if he gets past eight, it would completely drop my job. No, he won't. He won't get past eight. I think that's true. And I do think there's a chance Billy would take him. I just don't think he'll get there. But the, yeah, the other so the other big thing is I think Bill Armstrong was right. And the more I talked around is nobody's trading out of the top 10. Nobody. Now, and, and it's, I mean, think it's going to be difficult. Yeah, exactly. No team that's in the top 10 is going to trade down. Right. You can see you can see somebody trading up to San Jose like yeah. eight to four. And they right. so within that that's box. Within that. That. Even that's going to cost a lot, but that's possible. Oh, yeah. But it's just not likely. It's it not just likely. doesn't. It just doesn't happen, too. Like, and uh, someone yeah. gave me two examples, the DeBrincat. But I say those aren't examples because that that was a case of they had someone to trade and yes. they got a pick back that allowed them to get inside the ten. That wasn't a case exactly. of somebody trying to trade up by enticing you with a a right. pick. So you know, the only thing I mean, you what generally happens is you do see trades and Russ knows this too. You know, guys go from 20 to 17 yeah. or or 15 to 13 that where it's one specific guy. It's not a, a big deal. It's just two picks. Yeah, but like I, I never believed anybody to, getting inside the 10. Like the Flyers could trade, you know, their 22nd pick for two seconds. Like those kinds of things could happen, yeah. will happen. Day two, there'll be a lot of trade. I think they want to keep twenty. I think the goal is they want to keep twenty-two. I know, but I'm just saying, add one at the back end. I I see them holding. Yeah, I don't even even think those trades happen very much because people don't want to. 
and you don't give up like 22. I mean, don't want to give up two second round picks. You know, it's not like the NFL, you know, like no, that, there are teams that have like three and four. So you never know. Yeah. But the, the, you know, the revenues have three and they're, you know, they're adamant. They don't want to, like, I think they'll give up one, but they wouldn't give up two. There's no, well, they one. I mean, that's the only way that Philly would probably even consider trading down from that spot. Anyhow, do you think Iserman would have Venmo money? This is what I got to know. <laughs> do you think Iserman would trade two of those seconds to get up to the last, like, the late part of the first round? Maybe. Like, he might do that. But I don't think people will do that. So, so but his picks, are still, his picks are right in a row. Like he said, yeah, he wonders if that has ever happened. And uh, I, I, I don't know. I bet it hasn't. Three in a well, row. Early. for the Bruins in the first round. Remember I don't that? know yeah, if it ever happened yeah, no. in the second. Was it three consecutive? It was. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I think it was three and four. 14, okay. no, no, I think it's 14, 15. Yep, Zabor, Zaboro, Sinitian, and DeBrusque. Four and, yeah, three and trust me, if you, if you follow my Twitter feed, you'll see a picture of me and Shane Malloy interviewing all those three guys at the same time for on Sirius. So, and only I mean, one of them was relevant. Yeah. It was on Bruins TV, too. That's how I remember. But, no, as go. far as any, anything else with the draft, I mean, I don't think there'll be huge surprises in the top three or four picks. Look. If if Carlson were to go second, I wouldn't jump out of my seat. And if no. you know something like that happened, Mitch Cop went second, I wouldn't jump out of my seat. It's just I don't think there's going to be anything like what happened with Shane Wright, where we were legit surprised, even though we were hearing murmurs about it. Uh, I don't think it'll be anything like that. But I do think in the second day, though, there will be a lot of action. I don't think all these teams are taking all those picks. I I still love the buzz in the building last year when when yeah. uh, when Slavkovsky was picked. Was, yeah, I know that's a crazy feeling. I mean, the Bruins. I was just texted. Um, are go, are trying to um are trying to get cap space all of a sudden. There you well, go. Of course they are, but I mean, yeah, they're trying to sign Bertuzzi. Yeah, yeah. So they're trying to they're trying to get cap space. They're trying to get Bertuzzi in, but it's like um, there's other yeah. That's gonna well, be they could, buy, they could buy out Mike Riley. They could trade Grizzlick. There's a, there's options for them. So that, that yeah, all right, I'll see you guys. In take care, Russ. Um, bye bye. So everybody's traveling tomorrow, I think, right? So yes. Um, are you traveling tomorrow too, Kevin? I am. Okay, I'm, so. I'm driving though. I don't have that hockey buzz money, so. <laughs> so. Neither do I, Kev. I'm here. Um, <laughs> I don't obviously don't have the hockey buzz money. Uh, anyway, um, yeah. So, I, but I'm what I might do is um, put a show together for you guys tomorrow to get Q and A just with the chat room or something like that. Because if things are going really well or things are happening or starting to happen, just keep an eye out. I'll, I'll, I'll put it in my blog that I'm doing it. If I do it, yeah. it'll be last second. And I would I would say we'd probably shoot for like a. 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock Eastern Wednesday. show on Wednesday. Cause yeah. um, there's after you guys can do it. I'll, I'll be there. Cause I, I you know, I'm, 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 you guys are, you guys are the important. People. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll plot out the, uh, the time um, and, uh, and, and tweet it out and let everybody know. Okay, cool. All right. Um, so just remember without the buzz, it's just hockey. We are getting close to the draft and man, the U of A day is only a couple days away. All right. We'll talk to you guys soon. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.